1: God used Daniel with a special gift of being able to interpret dreams from when we look at those first six chapters from the son of God walking there in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, even to God closing the mouths of those lions there in the den. And again, as Darius the king looked at that, he suddenly declared, man, your God is a great and a powerful God. Even in the worst of situations, guys, God can and does move for His glory.
0: Have you ever been in a pit surrounded by lions or perhaps in a fiery furnace? Most likely, the answer to those questions is no. This life may be throwing its worst at you, but chances are it doesn't compare to the extreme and immediate physical danger that Daniel faced, as well as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That is, Pastor David encourages us in today's message, no matter how great the hardship Jesus is with you and he will bring you through for his glory. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Daniel chapter 3 as he begins his message, Visions for the Times and for the Future, part 2.
1: We're in the book of Daniel, and as I shared with you last week, there's like two main sections in the book of Daniel. The first portion is which we went over a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, chapters one through six, More, just a lot of history and a lot of events that were going on in the life of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the boys when they got over to Babylon, how all those events took place, how God used them in their honesty, in their integrity, in their commitment to the the one true God of Israel, how, again, they maintained true uh, to their commitment to him, and God honored that in their lives. They saw in their lives uh, being raised up, being promoted because of their faithfulness. But we also saw that because of their faithfulness, because of their commitment, there was a lot of persecution, a lot of trials. And It kind of goes with being committed and and taking a stand. If you don't take a stand, maybe you'll never have persecution. But I guarantee you, if you take a stand, there will be times of trials within your lives. And we see that uh, again in, in the book of Daniel. But the overall thing that, we, that I see in the book of Daniel, and we're, we're gonna look at some of the prophecies tonight of the things that were going on during that time since the time of Daniel and times that were yet to come. We're gonna look at that in a moment. But one of the things that that just blesses me about the study of the book of Daniel is you see in that the greatness of God. The greatness of God to be able to look and to declare things that have not yet been because he already has set these things in motion and they're going to be fulfilled. And so as we look at... Through this book. Yes, absolutely. I'm, you know, looking at the prophecies of the coming again of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Absolutely. I'm excited about that. But in the overall sense, I also looked at, man, what an awesome God to be able to speak these things and then they. Come about. They, they actually take place. That's one of the problems that the skeptics have about the writing of the book of Daniel. They believe that only a portion of this was actually written by Daniel, like pretty much the first half of it. But a lot of these prophetic things, they say, no, they're too detailed. They're too, you know, they're, they're too right on. Certainly, that could not have been written before the time. It had to happen. After the time, it would be sort of like if I came to you and said, God gave me a vision of two tall trees. And in those two tall trees standing next to each other, there was a multitude of fruit and just beautiful fruit on those two trees. But then one morning, a bird attacked one of the trees to the very core of that tree. And suddenly that tree began to die. And before that tree completely died, another bird attacked the other tree right next to it, to the very core of it, to the very heart of it. And once that bird attacked that second tree, then those two trees died completely, and all the fruit that was within them was destroyed. Now, if I came to you with a prophetic uh, dream like that, Back in 19, or say in 2000, uh, in the year 2000, you say, okay, that doesn't make any sense at all. Until the attack on the Twin Towers comes. And then you think, wow, maybe that's what that vision was about. But to come and write that down now, it says, well, yeah, that's already happened. How That's kind of easy to make up something. So that's what they're saying that Daniel, uh, that at least the second half of the book of Daniel. But the thing is, those events that took place were literally hundreds of years later. In the 300 BCs, Daniel's writing in the 500 BCs. So it would have had to have been someone else, is what the skeptics say. But I don't believe that that's the case. I believe that, again, God gave Daniel these visions. Now, when we look at this book, like the opening chapters of the book, again, we find Daniel, the three others, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys are promoted. They're promoted among their peers in the midst of their promotion. All of these jealousies started to come along, and because of the jealousies, every one of their lives were put on the line. Every one of their lives were put on the line with the possibilities of, again, being executed, either by the fiery furnace or by the the den of lions. Possibility of their death was real and true, but God God, through supernatural means, He protected, He preserved the three young men in the fiery furnace. He protected Daniel in the lion's den. And the way that God worked in the lives of these men impressed the king. And so they were promoted even more so. Guys, what I want you to see in the midst of that. And I know that we, that's what we went over a couple of weeks ago, but just as a, a point of reminder is that your testimony our lives together being seen by the world that we live in the people that we're in touch with the people that are in our circle of influence the way you live your life the way you deal with issues within your life good and bad things make a world of difference remember the king was impressed on how these guys dealt with the issues that were there and because of that he, again, number one, uh, Nebuchadnezzar saw the glory of God. Number two, uh, 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 Darius saw the glory of God, again, as he saw God working in the lives of these men. And that's the same thing for you and I, to live our lives for the glory of God in the good times and in the bad times. Now again, as I said, the first six chapters of Daniel, primarily historic, telling all the events surrounding their time in Babylon. Not only do they speak about God's preserving them during the times of trouble, but again, clearly shows that God used Daniel with a special gift of being able to interpret dreams from when we look at those first six chapters from the son of God walking there in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, even to God closing the mouths of those lions there in the den. And again, as Darius the king looked at that, he suddenly declared, man, your God is a great and a powerful God. Even in the worst of situations, guys, God can and does move for his glory. Now we're going to move into the second section, chapter 7 through chapter 12. And here the book takes a, a completely turn of style and actually uh, it goes back into the Hebrew language. If you remember from a couple of weeks ago in the introduction, it's written both in Hebrew and and Aramaic, and now they're coming back to the Hebrew language during these chapters here. Not only a turn of style, but the focus now describes some of these personal visions that, that Daniel received. He's not interpreting them for someone else. No, these are visions that God is giving Daniel himself. And again, Daniel, now a guy who had interpreted dreams for others, he gets these dreams and and he doesn't know for sure what's going on. And so God sends angelic messengers to him to interpret these dreams. These visions that he has, these dreams that he has, these are apocalyptic in, in nature. And apocalypse just simply comes from the Greek word that uh, we translate as revelation, but it's dealing with last times, revelation of last time events. And again, we're going to see a lot of similarities in these last day reminders of or proclamations of Daniel and what we would read in the book of Revelation. Now, because this is just simply a an overview. And we're trying to get through the Bible in hopefully a year and a half. We've given up on a year, right? Um, a year and a half. Uh, we're not going to cover all of this in deep detail. There is a lot, a lot in here. We could be in Daniel literally for months because of the detail and the proclamation of these visions. So again, bear with us as we try to cover these in a way that's, uh, again, uh comprehensive for us to to be able to understand what he's saying, but not so deep that we're going to take an extremely uh, long period of time about it. Now, in chapter 7, we have a major vision that, again, is actually, if if you're looking at the timeline, uh, it it actually goes back earlier than what we would see. As As we look at Daniel, it's not really in a chronological order. By the time you get up to chapter six, now in chapter seven, he's kind of backing up. It's during the time, again, during the reign of uh, Belshazzar. And Belshazzar was the son of Nebuchadnezzar, who was the one that remembered the writing on the wall. Don't ever ask God to explain himself by giving you the writing on the wall, okay? Because that did not turn out well for Belshazzar. Uh, again, he was weighed and found wanting and he died that night and that's when the Persians took over. So anyway, it's during the time of Belshazzar's reign. It was a vision of these four great beasts. Chapter seven, look down in verse uh, four through eight. Uh, he saw this vision. The first was like a lion. It had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off. Then it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. And a man's heart was given to it. And Suddenly another beast, a second like a bear, and it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and he said thus to it, Arise, devour much flesh. And after this I looked, and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird, and the beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. And then after this, verse 7 tells us, I saw in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful And terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them before whom. Three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots, and there in the horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous words. So we all understand what that's all about, so we can move on from there. we, we look at these things, we think, wow, what in the world does that all come about? What what does that all mean? And again, we, we, we look at these things, we understand there's, there's no clear definition, there's no clear interpretation of how and who these kingdoms that are listed truly are. Now, there's been a lot of Individual interpretations of different, again, pastors and teachers and Bible scholars through the years, I'm not doubting that many of these commentators look at these four beasts as representing in order the kingdom of Babylon, and then Persia, and then Greece, and then Rome, as well as the later revived type of a Roman empire. And I'm fine with that, but within the scriptures, it doesn't give us that when we have these types of things where we don't have a clear interpretation of them, and a little bit later, we're going to see some visions that he's given, and the angel actually gives him a clear interpretation. Well, we can nail that. We can say, absolutely that. But on the others, be careful on what hill you stand on and what mountain you fight for, okay? It's good to look at things and say, well, I believe that that means this, this, and this. But be careful on those because who knows, in years you might be proven wrong, uh, again, by the events of the world. But it's fair to understand that during this time of Daniel that those four empires, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, as well as the revived Roman Empire, could very well be exactly it. In verses 9 through 14, Daniel's vision goes on as suddenly the Ancient of Days was seated and the beast and the others we're all destroyed. It's clear to understand that the ancient of days speaking God on his throne. One of the amazing attributes of this particular vision is this reintroduction of, remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace and Nebuchadnezzar looked in and he says, oh, wait a minute, didn't I throw three guys into the fiery furnace? Oh, yes, King, you did. Well, why do I see a fourth one in there? And his image is like that of the Son of Man. Well, look here where where we're reading down in verse 13 of chapter seven. I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Then to him, to this one like the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. I believe it's very clear when we look at that. It's the Lord Jesus Christ the Son of Man coming to the ancient of days, all of these dominions and kingdoms given to him. That again, we read that within the New Testament. Again, all of these kingdoms are going to be given. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess, Uh, again, that Jesus Christ is Lord. At the very end of times, we see this. And again, even the very fact that he comes in the clouds of heaven to show this. Now, Daniel's vision, is interpreted with a a major emphasis on this fourth kingdom or this fourth beast when we look from verses 19 through 28 or so. And we can well understand the concern, uh, again, as as this angel is giving this interpretation to him. Look what it says in verse 23. As the angel is speaking to him, he says, this fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it into pieces. Now again, if we were to read the whole thing, you'd realize that the coming of the Son of Man, the seeding of the Ancient of Days, is going to happen after this devouring of the whole earth by this fourth beast. Again, the, in, in, in the whole area of prophecy, you've got to really pay attention to what you're reading, when you're reading it, and how it all works together. At the end of the chapter, Daniel is still concerned. He's still struggling with this whole vision. Look what he speaks in uh, verse 26. Again, speaking, I believe now of of the time uh, of of the the final finality of things. Verse 26. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion of that fourth beast to consume and destroy it forever. And then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High, and his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. So now we're coming back to speaking about the Son of Man receiving all of these kingdoms and all the dominions shall serve and obey him. Speaking about the very end of all ages. But look at verse 28. This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. I think that he was looking at this and saying, wow, we're talking about the end of the world here. And God is giving me this vision, and man, we've got all these beasts and the mass destruction and all that's going on here, and yet we also see that at the end, God is in charge, and he brings it all back together. I think that if any of us had anything, man, even a portion of a vision like that, particularly if God had given you visions in the past, that you knew that it was God and not just the pepperoni pizza from that night, that you you would have that kind of a vision. You'd wake up, you'd be sweating, you'd be concerned, you'd be worried. Man, that's horrendous, but it's glorious because at the end, God wins, amen? At the end, God wins. Chapter eight, another vision. Vision of the ram and, and a goat and Having this goat has several horns, again, referring to future kingdoms and their rulers. Well, this time Gabriel comes to Daniel. He's going to interpret the dreams. And down in verse 17, he says, hey, this dream that that you just received, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. So again, he's telling him, Daniel, what you're seeing here, these are going to be in time things. Now, Gabriel makes it clear that the ram in this particular vision is the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. He points that out. Look down at verse 19. And he said, the angel speaking to him, look, I'm I'm making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation. For at the appointed time, the end shall be. God has an appointed time. It's not up to man." It's not up to a man, and, and one, of the, one of the teachings in some areas of, of Christendom say, no, it is our responsibility to make the world a better place in order that Jesus can come back. You know, that is so non-biblical, it just absolutely blows my mind that people will actually declare that. Because the Bible says, no, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Until then, the Lord is going to come and he makes all things new. Well, he, uh, this angel says, no, there is an appointed time, and the end shall be. In verse 20, that ram which you saw, Daniel, having the two horns, that's the kings of Media and Persia. And that male goat is the kingdom of Greece. And that large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, Four kingdoms shall arise out of that nation, but not with its power. Let me continue on here, verse 23. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a the king shall arise, having fierce features, who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. My, who could they possibly be speaking about there? I believe they're speaking about the Antichrist, who gets his power from Satan himself. Again, the fierceness and all that's going on. That latter king, transgressions, he's going to rise up. Continue on there, verse 24. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully. He shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule. He shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against whom? The prince of princes. And he shall be broken without human means. I love that. He says he's even gonna come against the prince of princes. I believe he's speaking of Christ himself. And then he's gonna be destroyed, but not by human means. There's gonna be a supernatural thing that comes and takes him over. Again, I believe Christ working and coming against him in the midst of that. And again, verse 26, the vision of the evenings and the mornings, which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to when many days in the future. Daniel, I'm giving this to you. I want you to write this portion down but don't forget, this isn't what's happening right now. This is going to happen many days in the future.
0: Open our
1: from within by the open
0: word. That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there, too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how.
1: Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com
0: Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more